Están todos a la venta para amigos y familiares de JCPenney hasta el domingo. Usa el cupón de 30% extra en la tienda y llena tu carrito con estilo y ahorros. Y obtén hasta 60% de descuento en joyería fina y de moda. Además ahorra hasta 40% en ropa elegante para toda la familia. Compren juntos y luzcan de lo mejor este otoño. JCPenney, vale la pena. Selección de estilos, aplican exclusiones, cupón y oferta de ropa válidos hasta el 8 de octubre. Oferta de joyería válida hasta el 22 de octubre. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Great to be with you on this Thursday afternoon, uh, and I just have a message for everybody out there. Football starts tonight. I know it's just a Hall of Fame game, but dang it, I don't care. It's football. Jets, Browns. Be talking about both teams tonight. I did this last year. I forgot who it was. I think it was the Raiders and the Jags, if I'm not mistaken, in the Hall of Fame game a year ago. I talked about, you know, the expectations long-term. Well, I don't know if the Browns or certainly the Jets definitely are in this position to look long-term because for the Jets, they're looking about how do we attack this window right now with Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback? How can we contend for numerous Super Bowls? But in the short term, what is the ceiling for either team? What is the floor? What is the worst we can expect from the Jets and Browns? And what is the absolute best we can expect uh, if everything goes right or converse or on the other side of things, if everything uh, goes uh, completely hot sideways, which it kind of has for both teams in really in the entire Super Bowl era, aside from obviously Super Bowl three with the old Joe Namath guarantee. I'll get to those two teams later in the show. Also looking forward to getting in, getting into this. Uh, Bill Belichick has uh, alluded to a potential quarterback controversy in New England. I don't know if you heard, but it sounds kind of intense uh, between Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. We know the old Belichick quotes about how, you know, is honest Cincinnati and everybody's competing, blah, blah, blah. No, nah, but there's, I think there's some truth potentially to him, you know, thinking about moving on from the old Maxter, from old McCorkle. I'll get to that later in the show. Also, obviously carving up the context, our midweek segment which I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to getting this one because this one I did, I did a little research into it and I was like, hang on a minute, something is not adding up in terms of how something is being portrayed. I'll get to that at the end of today's show. Also going to talk about Shaquille O'Neal. Now we hear all these former players talking about top 10 players ever and Shaquille O'Neal did something a little different. He gave his top 11 players, which one might say like, hey, that's, that's weird to do 11. Like it feels like you you just want to include somebody's name because you feel bad for leaving him outside the top 10, right? No, Shaq's saying, no, no, no. I'm going to do something completely different with this argument that not a whole lot of other people are doing. Uh, now I'll talk about that a little later in the show and why I commend Shaq for doing this because he's he's, he's adding nuance to this discussion that frankly I don't think gets, gets added onto uh, enough in my opinion. So, I'll get to that later in the show. And, and before we get to our league segment, I did want to I did want to say this. So uh, Tuesday evening at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time here on the Grid Network. If you're watching on the Grid's YouTube channel, we appreciate that as well as anyone else who's watching anywhere else. So we debuted a new show on network. It's called the 8 O'Clock Spot. Here's the logo. I'll show it to you guys right here. The 8 O'Clock Spot, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time on the Grid Network's YouTube channel and, of course, on our Twitter uh, page as well. And the feedback, so just to briefly describe the show, think of it as a sort of spinoff-ish 
of Around the Horn on ESPN. It's kind of like a game show. It's a, it's a half hour long, maybe a little more, a little less. Uh, we had uh, we have panelists. So in this instance, it was Barry Grant Jr., Devin Nettles, and Mike Guido, uh, all three members of the grid. Uh, Barry and Mike obviously found the grid. And I'm the host. And I have a point system in which we do a few takes, like what's going on in sports. They give their opinions. And I do the point system based on their takes. How good are their takes uh, when it's all said and done? And ultimately, there's a winner. And so you rack up. Obviously, there's a winner for that particular show, but there's a point total. And then once we get to the end of the season, which we think will probably be around the NBA Finals next year, the 2024 Finals, when the Warriors win the championship, be that as it may, we will have a season-long champion. So... We've gotten incredible feedback from that first show. We appreciate everybody who tuned in live to comment or just to watch and have a good time. Had an absolute blast with those guys. And it's again, it's going to be a rotating panel. There's going to be different people every week. I'll be hosting uh, certainly as much as I can, hopefully on a weekly basis. On Tuesday nights, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time on the grid. If you haven't seen the first episode yet, you could check it out on the Grid Network's YouTube channel. But we had an absolute blast and look definitely looking forward to next week. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast once again. And everybody who was involved did a great job and look forward to see who who our panelists are going to be for next week. So appreciate all the incredible feedback that we've gotten to this point from that. So I don't want to, I, I, you know, usually in the preseason, I try and stay away from, uh, unless it's just a big story, like Sean Payton talking crap about Nathaniel Hackett and the Jets trying to buy a championship and saying Hackett did the worst coaching job he'd ever seen in NFL history, which by the way, I kind of agreed with, oh, I wouldn't say worse in NFL history. I think Urban Meyer would probably take that title, certainly in recent years. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I liked it. You know, he's, he's backing up his team. He's, he's, what I hated was the walk back. But that's a big story. Like, I try and mostly stay away from, let's be honest, little stories regarding some of the high-profile teams. This year's going to be the Jets. The Broncos have a have, have a lot of attention on them. you got the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, and the Eagles. A lot of teams have got big aspirations, big goals, big expectations uh, going into uh, 2023. Um, uh, and it, it, it's just, it, I try to stay away from the, the little stories. But something big, that's different. Couldn't help myself with this one though. I couldn't help it. So um Trayvon Diggs. Uh star corner for the Cowboys. Got a big contract. And Dak Prescott, star quarterback Cowboys, also has a big contract. Two of the highest paid players in the team. And there's a play in practice where the two there's a there's a play where uh you know Dak goes through his reads real quickly sees nothing there takes off running to his right and he's shoved out of bounds I think inside the five yard line ish that the video was taken by a uh, Clarence uh Clarence Hill who's done a great job recording for the Cowboys for years we weren't able to get the video on uh the show today for some odd reasons it's, it's the stream yards give me some issues with that but we'll see if maybe we can show it to you later in the show but uh Dak is shoved out of bounds okay he's out of bounds plays over whistle blows and Trayvon Diggs, here he comes. He gets into Dak's face, and uh, Dak and Trayvon, they're they're John, they're John, and uh, Trayvon to, to use the, the the clean version for the kids out there uh, said, uh, "Shut your ba mouth to Rain Dakota Prescott." You can fill in the we can fill in the other the other letters for those for those two words. Um, and all I'm seeing today, oh my god. How could how could Trayvon Diggs just uh, you know he's going after his quarterback and doesn't even respect Dak Prescott and oh there's there's trouble brewing in Dallas we we need to take cover hang on hang on is it safe to come out it is okay just want to make sure because I was worried there for a minute guys 
We're really doing this for training camp? Listen, anybody knows my experience with the Dallas Cowboys has been an up and down one. I started as a Cowboys fan around 2015, middle of the 2020 season. I, I was, by the way, I was a Dak fan before he was a Cowboy. So when he became a Cowboys, I was overjoyed. And he had some really good seasons there. And then when Jerry didn't give him that contract in 2020, I was mad about it. When he, when Dak broke the ankle in 20, I was like, oh, I'm done with the Cowboys. I'll just support Dak. And then finally, I chose a a a team that I could root for, the Pittsburgh Steelers. While though uh, simultaneously, I will continue to support Dak in the capacity that I had the last few years. Thus, me wearing this this Dak Prescott hat, which is available on his website, by the way. Um, but I'm not one to overreact to stories that some tend to overreact to. If you remember the Draymond Green Jordan Poole incident, no, it's a different sport, different league, different team, different <laughs> different expectations. Let's put it that way. At least different realistic expectations when you compare the Golden State Warriors to the Dallas Cowboys. But Draymond Green Jordan Poole get into practice. Draymond punches Jordan Poole became the season long controversy. Kind of derailed the Warriors season in terms of how Poole responded, and they traded him obviously for Chris Paul, and that ship has sailed. But I remember coming on the show and saying, guys, I don't know if punches like that happened where it looked like Draymond could have easily broke Poole's jaw. But pushing, <laughs> shoving, fighting, cursing each other out, especially during football training camp? That That's uh, that's as, as true as the sky is blue. Or as the star is blue in Dallas. They're in California. It's hot. They got pads on. They got helmets on. They they know there's big expectations. These are two of the highest paid players of a team, two of the most important players in the team. Both big egos, big trash talkers. Yeah, words are probably going to be exchanged. And Trayvon Diggs was answering questions to the Dallas media today and was asked about, oh, my goodness. And again, I'm not going to cast aspersions on the reporter saying, uh, who you know, overreacting to this because I, I don't know whether they did or didn't. But... <laughs> this says Trayvon Diggs. This is from today, folks. This is from about an hour and a half ago. Trayvon Diggs on trash talking with Dak Prescott during practice. Quote, I feel like it makes practice fun. At the end of the day, that's my brother. I love Dak to death. There's nothing behind it. It's just competitiveness. It's just football. End quote. And then we was asked on people who say, say he doesn't have respect for Dak. Trayvon responded, quote, Stay out of our business. People don't need to worry about what we got going on. Our relationship, my relationship with my brother. Dak is the leader of this team. He's going to go out there and have a great year. I have the utmost respect for Dak. Dak Prescott, even today in a press conference, was asked about this entire uh, situation, this controversy. And Dak was asked about the trash talk, and he said, quote, I start a lot of it, honestly. I spark it a lot of times. Some guys practice and play better when they're talking trash. I invite it. Listen, I know we're in August. I know the preseason, we got the Hall of Fame game tonight, is as irrelevant as it's ever been with the lack of starters not playing. Everybody can get up, get up for the regular season, keeping the starters healthy, seeing what you got in terms of your backups and your draft picks and whatnot. That doesn't mean we need to make a big story out of a nothing burger because that's what this is. This whole thing, like, oh, the Cowboys defense, you know, they showed up in that game against the Niners last year, but Dak was bad. And that's why Trayvon Diggs was saying, folks, you're playing football and you're playing sports. You're in any competitiveness whatsoever. It doesn't go that deep. Come on. By the way, I think for the record, it should be noted that 
Dak was the biggest reason. I can even say this is a Dak fan. Dak was the biggest reason Dallas lost that game to San Francisco. No question about it. He played bad by his standards. Trayvon wasn't great in that game either. But do I think that this little riffraff had anything to do with those two going at it? I hesitate to say this, but you can tell at times when some individuals either didn't play sports or didn't play it at a very high level. This is frequent. When the Golden State Warriors and there was that whole issue with Draymond Green, you think Steve Kerr was mad at Draymond or mad at the idiot within the Warriors organization who sold the tape off to TMZ so the world could see it? Because I promise you, if TMZ, I don't even know if TMZ exists in the 90s. They probably did. I don't know. If TMZ got in the clip from when Jordan punched Steve Kerr, we probably wouldn't romanticize it the way that we do today. And by the way, there were no fisticuffs, no punches were thrown, no shoves. We've seen Travis Kelsey sock two, two teammates of practice. Eh, business as usual. It's football. It's training camp. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> you know, it's August. It's preseason. You're trying to get better. You're trying to iron sharps, sharpens iron with your teammates. We are really overreacting to a situation that doesn't need to be overreacted to. This notion that Dak and Trayvon, they got this beef. No, they don't. Trayvon Diggs said months ago in the playoffs, talking about he loves Dak. He's this fierce competitor. He wouldn't want anybody else leading the team. Yeah, I'm sure that's changed in six months. I'm sure Dak has an issue with Trayvon now. Come on, folks. This is no big deal. This is not a story. And the fact that folks are making it out to be shows you how desperate some are for a headline, for a story. By the way, just the fact that I'm even talking about this shows you, to put it mildly, we don't have the number of big stories today as we will a month and a half from now. When it's week two, week three, and we're starting to see what teams may or may not look like over the course of the season and early MVP discussions, you know, we're starting... But that doesn't mean we need to make a story out of a two to three second exchange. Look, do I love Trayvon Diggs using that particular word with Dak? No, I don't think that word should be exchanged between anybody. That's one of the most disrespectful words in the English language that a man could say to a woman, a woman could say to the woman, uh, or a man could say to a man. Like that's that's kind of the one you don't push. That's why I didn't I didn't like what Draymond said to KD five years ago. Was he right? We don't need you. We won without you. Lee, to a certain extent, yeah, he was. Because the Warriors won before KD and won after KD. Didn't have to include the five-letter word starting with a B and ending in an H, but it is what it is. This is not a story. I hope, I hope, tomorrow, when we get back to, I'll be doing a show tomorrow. A lot of people are going to be doing their shows tomorrow. Hopefully this is, this is behind us. This is in the past. Listen, there's plenty of stories surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. There is every offseason, every training camp. Jerry does a State of the Cowboys speech going in, and we're going to win the Super Bowl. This most talented team we ever had. Same old, same old. Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl. We've heard it. We could talk about those. But maybe we went to this one because it's a new story. But like I said, let's let's not uh, let's not overreact more than we should. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of uh, situations regarding teams that have pressure on them going into the season, I think it's fair to say that not a soul, let me pause there, 
not a logical soul <laughs> expects the Patriots to exactly be contenders this year. Some I've seen them predict to go to the playoffs. I was talking to a buddy of mine, Grady Edwards. He's you know frequent uh, listener and viewer of Carving Up Live. Shout out to Grady. He's my man. Uh, but he was saying, you know, he's a Patriots fan. He's saying, hey, I think we can make the playoffs. I'm like, I think it's going to be tough. Things can be very difficult. You got the worst roster in the division. But if it's a Belichick-led defense, if whoever the quarterback is, and I'm just about to get into that, whoever the quarterback is, is kind of, uh, you know, plays mistake-free football, isn't, He's got an actual OC instead of a DC masquerading as an OC. You got Bill O'Brien in the building. Got Juju Smith-Schuster. And there's some nice little pieces. Nothing crazy, but nice little pieces. Maybe a sneak in. I highly doubt it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. But nobody thinks the Patriots are going to be going on any kind of Super Bowl run. Championship number seven is not coming to Foxborough. I hate to tell you, Patriots Nation, that it ain't coming in 2023. But they have pressure on them in a different reason. This is the year three for Mac Jones. Year three, what's the Bill Parcells rule? They say often on this show, year one's the developmental year. Year two, you need to see a big jump from year one. Year three, if you're still not quite certain if he's our franchise quarterback, then you move on and start at square one. That's the year for Mac Jones. By the way, that's also the year for Justin Fields. Justin Fields has improved receivers. Justin Fields plays in a division... You know, I should, shouldn't say division. Oh, North NFC North actually isn't bad. He plays in a conference... We're going to have three open wildcard spots, and the Bears are absolutely talented enough to get one of them. Let's see if Fields can show up. So there's pressure on Mac Jones in the AFC with the Patriots. There's also, you've heard the reports, hey, Belichick might be in the hot seat. You know, since Brady left, losing season in 2020, got to the playoffs in 21, but got beat by, you know, 30 <laughs> to a, his division rival, Buffalo Bills. 2022 missed the playoffs under 500. So there's some there's some heat on Bill going into this season. But Belichick was talking about the quarterback competition. And he was talking about how, you know, he, he was asked if there's a quarterback competition between Matt Jones and Bailey Zappi. Remember old Zappi started a couple games last year with the Patriots? Looked pretty good against the Lions and the Browns. Whereas Matt Jones struggled a little bit. Same defensive coordinator calling plays for the offense, but... Well, I'll get to that aspect later in the segment. But Belichick was talking about this, and I wanted to get the the sound clip, the, the the sound bite. But I said, you know what? It's we we know how Belichick sounds. Let me try and do my best uh, Bill Belichick uh, impression. Here we go. As today, if there's a quarterback competition between Jones and Bailey Zappi, Belichick said everyone is competing, and I quote: <clears throat> "Everybody's out here competing. All night, guys. That's what we're here for. Compete." Everybody's out here competing. Everybody's out here competing. That's what everyone's doing. End quote. Asked if he had a good relationship with Mac Jones. Belichick, quote, I think my relationship is good with every player. Hope that was good for you guys. Okay, uh, by the way, that hope that was good. That was just me. That wasn't me as Belichick. Uh, so, uh, typical Belichick sound bites. you know, on a Cincinnati. We kind of know how that goes. But do I think there's a quarterback controversy in Foxborough? Darn Skippy. I actually did a segment about this months ago. And I kept the I kept the graphics because I'm like, this may come up around training camp, so I want to have them ready for the show uh, instead of having to redo the beginning. Just have them ready just in case. And case. I decided, you know what? Mac Jones started... 15 games for the Patriots last year. I'm sorry, 14 games for the Patriots last year. 
Bailey Zappi started two. He appeared in four. He played in the Green Bay game in place of an injured Brian Hoyer, and then he came in for Mac Jones when Mac Jones was struggling on Monday Night Football against the Bears. So, Bailey Zappi has four appearances. Mac Jones started 14 games last season. So, it wouldn't be fair to say two to 14. If we're talking just specifically starts, two to 14, it's like, well, the 14 is a larger sample size. You're going to have some bad games. You're going to, and it kind of all evens out. So, what we did just to be fair to Mac Jones, I've said since the beginning, since he, the second he came to the league, he's a backup quarterback. Point being, let's look at Zappi's two starts against Mac's best two starts, just to be fair to the kid. And for the record, if you look at the numbers, Mac's best two starts, Thanksgiving Day at Minnesota, who, by the way, had the second worst pass defense in the National Football League, and the Cincinnati Bengals. And I believe that was week 16. Tras un día de lucharla, te mereces una recompensa. Una modelo. La marca de los luchadores. Así que sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que cuanto más grande sea la lucha, mejor sabrá la recompensa. Pusiste las horas, el esfuerzo, el trabajo duro. Tú eres un luchador. Y esta cerveza es para ti. Modelo. La marca de los luchadores. In Foxborough, that was his two best starts. So combine those numbers, combine those, average those two out, and average Zappi's two starts out. Let's look at uh, Mac Jones' best two starts. Here we go. 311 yards per game for the Maxter. Four touchdowns, no picks. That's pretty good. 112 pass rating. That's really impressive. And the team averaged 22 points. Right? Like it's it's that that's that's <laughs> you'll take that. That's points per game. You you prefer that to go up, but it's. It's not a, a, a deal breaker. Is he? As long as the quarterback's showing up, he's efficient, he's playing well, that's all that matters if you're the New England Patriots. But if you look at uh, Bailey Zappi, not that much of a drop-off in some of these numbers. So, so Max best two starts, he went from 20, 211 yards per game, Zappi 248.5 yards per game, so a big drop-off there, but 258 bad. Mac four touchdowns in his best two starts, by the way. Zappi, in his two starts, through three. Max zero picks, Zappy one. So, Mac, you know, Zappy turned the ball over, but it is not that big of a gap. Passer rating, Mac Jones 112, Zappy 109. Almost identical. And points per game. This is my favorite. Mac had 22. Mac's offense has averaged 22 points per game. Bailey Zappi's offense has averaged 33.5 points per game. They're kind of the same guy. And again, that's Mac at his best against just the only opportunity, the only two opportunities that old Zappi got. Is it unfair to have this crazy suggestion? That maybe, just maybe, they're the same quarterback. For the record, I don't think Zappy's a long-term answer in New England. I don't. A little more mobile than Mac Jones. A little bit better of an arm. By the way, Zappy was a pretty good quarterback in high in uh, college. This is a little known, little known fact. He broke a lot of. Remember, Joe Burrow had what I called on this very show the greatest season that's ever ha been had in the history of college football quarterbacks. In 2019, when he won the Heisman, 
LSU went 15-0. It's the greatest college football team ever, won the national championship. Zappi broke a lot of those records. I know for a fact he broke the record for touchdown passes. Burrow had 60. Zappi had like 61 or two. He's, he's a nice college quarterback. But again, I don't think he's a long-term answer for New England. But I've seen enough from Mac Jones to know, yeah, that 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 ain't that ain't the dude. Because I remember talking about on this show during training camp last year, where Mac Jones, the reports come out of New England from Tom Curran, who's a great journalist in Boston. And he said, uh, man, guys, you should see this. Mac Jones is not looking good. And I remember saying on my show, I'm like, look, I don't have high expectations for Mac Jones to begin with. He's not. His uh, his tangibles, let's put it that way, aren't exactly going to blow you away. Arm, below average. Accuracy, eh. Ar- oh, I, I already mentioned arm strength. Uh, mobility in the pocket is horrendous. I mean, Belichick didn't trust him to, to throw a Hail Mary in a dome from the 50-yard line. You know, there's a quarterback for the Buffalo Bills that can throw at two 50-yard lines, but that's neither here nor there. Um... But I said going into last season, I said, you know what? I'm not going to be hard on Mac Jones. You could check the tape. I said that. I said, I'm not going to be hard on Mac Jones. What's he working with? Weapons aren't good. And you got a defensive coordinator as the offensive coordinator. It's not an ideal situation. And if you remember, because Mac Jones got hurt actually in week three against the Baltimore Ravens. That's part of what opened the door for Zappy to even get on the field. Because Brian Hoyer started the next week against Green Bay. But he, I think he got concussed. I know he got hurt. I think it was a concussion. And here comes this raw fourth-round rookie, Bailey Zappi. Doesn't blow your socks off, but is fine. Like, he's for a fourth-round rookie making his first appearance at Lambeau Field, he wasn't bad. His next two starts, Lions-Browns. Crap, the offense looks kind of versatile. <laughs> They're pushing the ball down the field. They seem to trust Zappi more than Mac Jones. Mac Jones comes back, Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears. Mac looks horrible. Zappi comes in, back-to-back scoring the scoring drives. Time out. <laughs> this, this, this might be, this might, Zappy might be the guy. It's one of my sayings I have on the show. I can have an opinion on something, but because that's what it is. An opinion is not a fact. But when new facts present themselves, sometimes you do have to adjust your opinion. I didn't anticipate this fourth round rookie working with the same defensive coordinator that old Mac was working with. Looked solid. Again, I don't think he's a franchise I don't again, I don't know for a fact. I don't think Zappy's a franchise quarterback. Doubt it. But has Mac Jones done enough to prove that he is absolutely without a shadow of a doubt 100% the guy in New England? Not in the slightest. Sure, he got a he helped a team get to the playoffs in 2021 when his role was that of a game manager. And then he was at when he was asked to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen twice. Check that. Three times, remember that Monday night football game? Patriots, Bills in Buffalo. Josh McDaniels, who I know isn't that great of a coach, but he was a nice offensive coordinator. Brady liked him. Josh McDaniels only wanted Mac Jones to throw the ball in the entirety of that game. Twice. Mac Jones actually checked out of a run play to a pass play, and Josh McDaniels was beside himself. Like, why in God's name, as a quarterback, would you throw the ball? Check to a throw play. Might have been a might have been a bad read on Max part. I remember, I think it was a pass to Johnny Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Johnny Smith kind of bobbled the ball, came down with it. 
But yeah, Mac Jones stat line for that game. I get it was windy, but the Bills trusted Josh Allen to throw the ball. You know, 20 plus 30 plus times. Mac Jones, two for three, 13 yards. Next time they played, Mac Jones was horrendous against Buffalo. Josh Allen flourished. And the final time they played in the postseason, in that wild card round, Josh Allen scored every time he touched the ball, and Mac Jones dropped a, a whopping 17 points. And as a matter of fact, that's Belichick. That was Belichick's first 30 point uh, playoff loss in his career. Listen, I've said Belichick is kind of just another coach, absent Brady. I think the numbers kind of bear that out, especially when you compare him to the likes of an Andy Reid or a Kyle Shanahan. He's not incompetent. He's not a bad coach. He knows. This, this, this is not a surefire thing that number 10 is going to be your starter for this season. So this preseason, there's not that many teams I'm going to be like zeroed in, have to watch in the preseason. Listen, I'm going to watch Carolina with Bryce Young and Houston with CJ Stroud, but I'm going to watch the teams with the rookie quarterbacks, Colts with Anthony Richardson. I'm going to watch Patriots preseason games. Zappy. Mac, curious to see how this plays out. Um, by the way, so the NFL, I just wanted to throw this out there. The NFL does their top 100 every year. Players vote on this, and I've talked about it for a few for a couple weeks on my show. Uh, but they they uh, they put out the episode today. They ranked the they ranked the top. Uh, they ranked number 20, the 20th best player in the NFL, to the 11th best player in the NFL. At number 20, and I'm not joking here, they had Miles Garrett. They say Miles Garrett is the 20th best player in the National Football League when he is clearly, and I don't think anybody would argue this, and even as a Steelers fan, I can say this because I respect greatness. Best, second best, third best pass rusher in the NFL, and he's 20th above him. George Kittle, my man Minka Fitzpatrick out of, in Pittsburgh, Max Crosby for the Raiders, another edge rusher. Now listen, Max Crosby's, Crosby's an excellent edge rusher. He is not, <laughs> he's not Miles Garrett, not even close. Bills receiver, Stephon Diggs, Niners linebacker, Fred Warner, Niners offensive tackle, Trent Williams, Raiders wide receiver, Devontae Adams, Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs, Rams defensive lineman, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's a bit too low. I think we're overreacting to just one injury riddled season. I think he's still a great player. Not the best in the league anymore, but he's still great. Uh, but to put... <laughs> Uh, sometimes listen, I, I'm not doubting the player's perspective in the slightest. I'm not, but how they could watch the tape of the film and whatnot and say, you know, I think there's 19 players in the NFL better than Miles Miles Garrett. I'm, uh, just having a hard time seeing that. I must, I must say, I must say. So speaking of which, again, we do have a football game tonight kicks off in about two and a half hours ish. Uh, sorry about, not my bad, about an hour and a half ish, six 30 Eastern here game kicks off a little after eight. Uh, Jets, Browns tonight, Hall of Fame game. And there's some notable players for both squads getting inducted. Darrell Revis, Revis Island, one of the greatest corners in the history of the game. Probably the greatest corner in the 21st century, if we're being completely honest, at least to this point. And for the Browns, you got Joe, Th Joe Thomas, one of the greatest offensive tackles ever. Remember, didn't miss a snap until he unfortunately suffered a season-ending injury. I believe that was 2017. Yeah, that was 2017 because that's this is first year of eligibility. And you know, it was just a rock play with some just horrible quarterbacks in Cleveland. But was always steady, was always there, was always great. And is one of the greatest left tackles that we've ever seen in the history of the league. But 
Jets Brown square off tonight. And obviously, I don't think we have again rational people. Although, when have we known folks in Cleveland to be rational with their teams? Just speaking from experience as a Warriors fan, dealing with Cavs fans. Shout out, sort of, to Mike Guido. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though, Mike froze on Guido. Watch the eight o'clock spot. And you'll know why we call him that. But nobody expects the Browns to compete for a Super Bowl, but a lot of folks expect the Jets to compete for a Super Bowl. So I guess the that begs the question. In a conference which is known as the AFC, which is undeniably the better conference, not even close. It's I see two real contenders in the NFC, two teams that can absolutely be anybody in the AFC should they reach the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58 in Vegas, Philadelphia, San Francisco. I'm starting to buy a little more stock in Dallas, but it's Dallas, so I'm there's always a caveat, like they're going to find a way to screw it up. And Detroit, I think, is going to get to the NFC Championship game. I've said that for a long time, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I think they're contenders. It's just that the NFC is that weak. AFC, different story. Kansas City's going to be back. Bengals, assuming Burrow's healthy, they're going to be back. You've got uh, the Ravens, I think, are going to be scary this year. And I hate saying that as a Steelers fan. I think the Raiders, sorry, not the Raiders, the Ravens are legit. Uh, I think Pittsburgh's going to be good, not a contender, but good playoff team. You've got teams like, say, I don't know, Jag Jag Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Trevor Lawrence could be in for an MVP potential campaign. We'll see. So in an AFC with four division winners, most of us kind of agree on who those division winners will be. It's those last three spots. Crap, who takes all those? Well, starting with Cleveland. I think that's their ceiling. If Deshaun Watson, because I don't think it's fair to expect him to be the player that he was in Houston. Uh, maybe it is. I don't know. But taking time off from the sport, a lot of time off. I shouldn't say taking time. It wasn't exactly his uh, – well, off the field, it was his decision, uh, allegedly. Uh, it was not his decision uh, in terms of being suspended, but he put himself in a position to be compromised, and uh, he's had to bear the, the consequences of his actions. But – Missed 2021, suspended for 11 games in 2022, played the last six, didn't look so hot playing in them. But full offseason, Kevin Stefanski, I think he's an excellent head coach. I think I saw a report today saying Kevin Stefanski is in the hot seat. I'm like, why? This is like the first good coach Cleveland's had in years. He's not the issue. Got to the playoffs with Baker Mayfield, for crying out loud, who's being beat out by Kyle Trask in Tampa. That's how we got to the playoffs, 11 wins. That's why I think it's the, the Brown ceiling. 11 and six. I don't know if I'm ready to go and say they could win a playoff game, but they've got a great running game with Nick Chubb, tremendous offensive line. A guy I just mentioned a second ago, Miles Garrett on the defensive line. It's a very good defense in Cleveland, uh, very good secondary, good coach. It's all going to, by the way, good receiving core. Amari Cooper, Cedric Tillman, I'm telling you, I can tell you folks, Tennessee guy, he's going he's to be like a jump ball type of dude, red zone guy. Uh, David Njoku's a good tight end. It's going to fall into Sean Watson. Can Deshaun Watson get you some semblance of the player that he was, certainly in 2020 with Houston when he was incredible. He was a top five quarterback at that point. But even 2018, Deshaun got to the playoffs with Houston. 2019, Deshaun won a playoff game in Houston. Can he get to that? If so, Browns can go 11-6, and six, not win the division, but potentially, potentially win a playoff game. If Cleveland could do it with Baker Mayfield two years ago, why can't they with the more talented quarterback in Deshaun Watson? As for the New York Jets, expectations are uh, on getting number Lombardi number two to, to MetLife Stadium, or I should say technically Lombardi number six to MetLife Stadium because the Giants have four of those. Jets have one from Super Bowl three. By the way, the first Super Bowl that was actually called the Super Bowl. But what's this? Because I've talked about the Jets ceiling. The Jets ceiling is winning the Super Bowl. 
You got a Hall of Fame level quarterback who's not what he used to be, but is still great. Still top 10 level guy. And you can always win with those. Excellent weapons with Garrett Wilson. Brees Hall coming back healthy. It looks like Dalvin Cook. It seems to be uh, a, uh, it, it, it seems like it's a formality. Like the, the formalities, everything needs to be sorted out. But it seems like Dal, Dalvin Cook's probably going to be a New York Jet. Their defense was top three in the NFL last year. And again, with a team that had four quarterbacks was smack dab in the middle of the playoff mix until the second of last week of the season. So I think this Jets team can win the Super Bowl. I'm not guaranteeing they will. I'm not going to pull a Joe Namath here. What's their floor? Probably eight and nine. If everything just goes haywire, goes sideways, seven and 10, eight and nine, I think is their floor. By the way, Cleveland's floor is right in that same ballpark. I think six wins is Cleveland's floor. If Deshaun's the same player as he was a year ago, plus the AFC North is brutal. It's the toughest division in football. AFC's is no slouch either. Buffalo's a 13 win team for the last two of the last three years. You consider Josh Allen's a top four quarterback in the NFL. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is better than Josh with Burrow and Mahomes, obviously. Uh, good coach to Sean McDermott with the Dolphins. Dolphins are great just, just about everywhere except for quarterback. They, I'm not saying two is not good. He is good. I'm not sure he's at the level that folks are projecting him to be. And even if he is, can he stay on the field? If he does, if he reaches his full potential, given this, the talent around in Miami, given the coaching with Mike McDaniel, yeah, the Dolphins could be a factor in 2023. They can win that division. And then New England's New England. Belichick's still a great defensive uh, mastermind. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots since week 16 of 2015. Since Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback there and Todd Bowles, a head coach, has been that long. That game actually cost the Patriots the one seed that year, fun fact. But if everything goes haywire, so Salah's in over his head, which I don't think is going to be the case, but listen, two losing seasons, albeit with bad quarterback play. Rodgers' ages is an old 40. Remember Breeze? Drew Brees was in the MVP discussion in 2018, had a very good 2019. He missed five games due to injury, but played very well in 2019 and was shot in 2020. But wasn't the same quarterback. Could not, he was never a guy who could push the ball down the field, but his arm was, it was like Mac Jones. It was like a noodle arm, didn't move all that well, just kind of looked small and uh, became a little bit more fragile as a player as time went on as he got older. Could that be the same with Aaron Rodgers coming off of his worst season? Obviously, injuries play into, into play as well, come into play as well, but we we put those aside. Those that applies to every team in the NFL. Historically, defenses aren't Jets were the top three, top five level of defense. Historically, defenses who were top five in the league, top ten in the league, don't tend to be as good the following year. That's why I think folks that are seeing the Broncos, hey, if the Broncos' offense is competent, they could be. And I remember reading a stat on the show last year that if the Broncos were just okay on offense, they they would have won like, <laughs> like 12, 13 games. That's how good their defense was. That's how horrendous their offense was with Russell Wilson, Nat Hackett running the show. Are we sure the Broncos' defense is going to be awesome again this season? We could ask that same question about the Jets. So if the defense isn't as good as we expect it to be, the offensive line, by the way, is an issue. I think Pro Football Focus had it as a bottom three offensive line in the league. That's a problem. Aaron Rodgers is used to playing with great offensive lines in Green Bay. Is Aaron Rodgers due to that or due to the fact that he is going to be 40 in December? Does age catch up to him? I don't think so. He seems more committed than ever. But if that is the case, that is something you got to worry about. So I think the Jets floor is 8-9. and nine. Their ceiling is, I don't really care the win total, 12-13 and winning the Super Bowl. The Browns ceiling, 11-6 and, and a playoff win. Their floor 
six and eleven. Just swap swap the records. Six and eleven. If Deshaun is the same player uh, that he was a year ago in the limited action that he got, so it's all wait and see type of situation. But I'm interested to see how. Uh, I'm interested to see how Zach Wilson looks tonight. Apparently, he's going to get the start for the Jets, and it's just crazy how everything has has kind of turned so quickly in that Zach Wilson was the future just two years ago. And again, going back to the Bill Parcells rule, like year three by year three, if he's still not the player, they didn't let they didn't even let Zach Wilson get to year three. They're like, man, screw this guy. Let's let's bring in an old Hall of Fame level quarterback. That's how bad it got at the end, but. Zach Wilson, work ethic, lead, leadership skills or lack thereof. He kind of has his, his self to blame uh, in that regard. So we just got to wait and see how it plays out. Also, too, uh, I think it's it's interesting with with the with the Browns. And I talked about this on Monday. There's a world in which they're one of the greatest fourth place teams ever, because I do think they're probably going to finish last in the North. I still think the Ravens could compete with with Cincinnati, especially now. God forbid, I hate the Burrow injury, but now knocking with for Burrow with the Burrow injury. Do the Bengals like they did a year ago get off to a rough start? Remember they started zero and two, losing to Pittsburgh and Dallas before they kind of got back on their feet. But if Cincinnati gets off to a rocky start, Baltimore with all this young talent and upgrade at wide receiver, a great defense that really came on at the end of the season, and now an offensive coordinator that fits Lamar Jackson's skill set. With John Harbaugh, who's one of the best coaches in football, do they catch him for the division? Pittsburgh feels like kind of a shoe in to be two or three right in that category. Man, if you put, and I said the other day, if you put Cleveland, I think it was Cleveland I said this about. I said, yeah, if you put Cleveland and say the NFC South, they I think they'd be the favorites because the Saints should be the favorites. They have the best roster. They have, this isn't saying much. I love Carr, but this isn't saying much. They have the best quarterback in that division, best roster, best defense. I do not trust Dennis Allen whatsoever. He's what he's won. What? Like 30, 33% of his games. Going back to his time with the Oakland Raiders. And now last year with the New Orleans Saints, he's a great defensive coordinator. There's plenty of guys like that. Great coordinators. Not, not, not that, not that great of a coach, but it's frequent. It happens. We'll see what, how it plays out over the course of time. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I just, I don't buy into New Orleans that much, but if you put Cleveland in that division, let's say Deshaun plays to the level of a Derek Carr, the roster in Cleveland is, is no slouch. And the coach is absolutely the, the, the gap between Dennis Allen and, and, and Kevin Stefanski is, is quite substantial. That that's, so that's an interesting conversation to have when Cleveland win the NFC South, which we all recognize is the worst division of football. I think Tampa Bay is probably going to tank in that division, but We'll see. I'm not doing my preseason predictions. Today's August 3rd, so we got a month and four days till till opening night. Kansas City, Detroit. Detroit, who's going to make the NFC Championship game? I'll say it again. I don't know. It's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be... I can't wait for the season, folks. I, I love football. By the way, going to have a special guest on Carving Up Live tomorrow. Be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh... I don't want to see. I don't want to tease it too. This is kind of already already a tease. I don't want to spoil it too much, but I think you're you're gonna like this person we bring on. Only NBA discussion of the day. 
So we get to that. This is really the dead space in the NBA offseason. This is when we're talking all football. Some baseball trade deadline just happened. You had the Berlander trade from the Mets to the Astros. I think Berlander's going to do a solid job. He's, he, he's, he's not had a bad year by any stretch. It's Scherzer who was really struggling with the Mets. Verlander's still a great pitcher, even at this stage of his career. By the way, the Mets got Drew Gilbert, my man from the University of Tennessee. Got to give Tennessee guys love on this show if nobody else is going to. Just putting that out there. But I think Drew Gilbert's going to be, he's an excellent prospect, and he's, he's going to do a solid job if he gets the opportunity to suit up in a Mets uniform. I hate that for him. Uh, that he, I hate that that's his predicament. It'd be much better to be in Houston, but hey, at least we don't have to worry about him uh, in the future trying to compete with the Astros for the AL pennant. But I think the Mets are going to be a, 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 listen, they're in a rebuild situation. I think the Astros got better with that Verlander trade, as in a number of teams at the trade deadline. So we're talking Major League Baseball trade deadline. We're talking NFL training camp preseason. This is the dead space in the NBA offseason. Schedule probably comes out in a couple of weeks, and that's about all we'll talk about, barring a Dame Lillard trade. Like, that's kind of like that one we're just sort of waiting to, waiting for it to happen, but there's not really been that many updates. I mean, I saw something the other day that Miami is putting their best package for Portland. Yeah, no, duh. Yeah, it's Damian, it's Damian Lillard. I sure hope you are. Don't lowball Portland. Shaquille O'Neal came out with his top 11 players of all time, his top 11 players of all time, and he said in no particular order for the record. And so folks might say, well, he did 11, so that's like a cop-out. It's like, well, you got to choose, you got to take one of those guys out in order for it to be a top 10, that round number. Top 10, we always do our list like that. We don't do top 11. But Shaq did his top 11 players of all time, and he fashioned it as... Who would I want to be my starting five? And who would I want coming off the bench? And here's what he had. I'll, I'll read it off for the podcast audience, those listening. So the starting lineup would look like this. Magic, Kobe, MJ, LeBron, and the Diesel himself. The bench. Steph, AI, Duncan, Carl Malone, Isaiah Thomas, and Kareem. I think he slid Kareem in there just to be like, oh shoot, I forgot Kareem. Like that's you can't you can't forget the third greatest player ever and the second all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. I want to commend Shaq, first of all, for two things that you often see a little bit of a tease for carving up the context that I'm going to do later in the show. You often see players from previous generations kind of disrespect guys from I'm talking about not 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 young guys, because young guys haven't made their name yet. I'm talking about guys who we know. Surefire, no doubt, Hall of Famers, 15, 20 greatest players ever. Got to give them all the love in the world. Your LeBrons, your Stephs, your KDs. As time goes on, Giannis eventually, as more time goes on, Jokic. They tend to not give those same guys love. Like, oh, back in my time, this player would have, and it'd, it'd be some like average center in the 1980s. Like, guys, come on. He's not better than Jokic. He's not better than, than Giannis. This guy would not lock up Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. LeBron would be great in any era. I want to give Shaq credit for not doing that. And he, he tends to, to give some of the, the, the current generation of players their love and their respect. I, I give him credit in that regard. But, and I also want to give him credit, too, for doing something that very little do in these debates. And that is... Uh, adding a bit of nuance, saying sometimes it isn't about who's the 10 best players. Seven-game series, who's your starting five? And again, put it up once again. It's a starting five. Magic, Kobe, MJ, Braun, Shaq, Bench, 
Steph Curry, Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Isaiah Thomas, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now the folks ask you, well, Bryce, what would be your, what would be your starting five? Well, who would be coming off the bench? Well, starting. So I think that depends on the rules of the starting five. If it has to be, hey. This guy played this position primarily his whole career. For example, LeBron has mostly been a, a small forward his whole career, but he can play the point. Heck, he's played the five at times. It's very versatile, very Magic Johnson in that regard. That's different. If it's just which five players throughout the history of the NBA fit the best, my starting five would be step at the point, MJ at the two guard, LeBron at small forward. I would actually put Larry Bird over Tim Duncan. I think Duncan's the better all-time player, and certainly he's a power forward. Larry's a small forward. I'd actually put Larry Bird at small for or I'm sorry, at power forward. Great shooting, great playmaking, great defense. And I would put Shaq as the five. Kareem's the better all-time player. But if we're talking at their peak, Shaq is the greatest player of all time at his peak. Go check his final. If you don't believe me, go check his finals numbers. <laughs> in back of the day, against uh, you had the New Jersey Nets, you had the Indiana Pacers, you had who was that other team they played in that three? Pete, it's it's crossing my mind. But like those are the type of dudes who like he was destroying those teams, destroying. He's averaging thirty five, thirteen, and two three blocks on insane shooting splits. Like that's how great Shaquille O'Neal was. Now, coming off the bench, yeah, you'd have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem's your backup center. You're in pretty good shape. You'd have Magic, obviously. You would have, uh, I think Allen Iverson's actually kind of interesting coming off the bench. Of course, you would have Kobe coming in for Jordan. That's why I've always said when they do this, hey, six players, and it's usually the same six. It's Steph, it's LeBron, it's KD, it's Kobe, Michael. Like, uh, add another one, uh, Tim Duncan. It's like, take one player out of this six. And I always say, with all due respect, God rest his soul, Kobe Bryant, I always say take Kobe out because he's a ever, an ever so slightly lesser version than uh, of MJ. Same guy. Why do, I, why do I have the same guy in the starting lineup? And folks say, wait, well, how do you have Magic over Steph? Well, I'm sorry, Steph over Magic. Well, two reasons. A, when it's all said and done, Steph will go down as the greatest point guard ever. He's not there yet, but he will. And secondly, Braun can do all the things Magic can do. Not quite the ball handler Magic was, but can handle the ball can play make, can play defense at a high level, is versatile in what positions he can play. LeBron's a better Magic. That's what they say when they compare LeBron to Jordan in terms of styles. I say, if you want to say the greatest player ever, yeah, it's between those two. But stylistically, MJ's best comparison is Kobe. LeBron's best comparison is Magic. Like Steph, there really is no comparison. I know I've heard some say uh, Mahmoud abdul Rauf, who... You see the similarities there in terms of how they played, uh, but he never got to the type of level. There was some other stuff that factored in there, obviously, that never really allowed him the position. Uh, to, the, the ability, not the ability, but the opportunity to get to a great level where Steph has gotten, but you do see the similarities there. I'm talking about amongst all-time, all-time greats. Like, we don't really have that much of a comparison to Steph. Um, By the way, I'd probably have Draymond Green in my, if, if not my starting five, but come off the bench. I need a guy to hold dudes accountable. I need a dude who can is a jack of all trades, get in people's faces that they're not doing what they're supposed to do. I don't know. That's probably a controversial take, but I don't care. I need Draymond come off my bench for me. But yeah, and I appreciate. I just appreciate Shaq for for again. Th this is a this is a discussion that oftentimes 
we just paint over like who's who's the best. And you know, at the end of the day, that's <laughs> we often uh we, we often forget some of the other nuances that that go into that come into the phrase. So <laughs> let me get this pulled up here because it drives me crazy, and this I think perfectly segues into uh, my next segment. Hold on, if I can pull this up. Because we again, for some reason, the video that I'm using won't let me pull up uh, the uh, the streaming platform I'm using is won't let me be, uh, pull up the video. Uh, okay, so okay, yeah, they, they, here we go. So, um, all right, just want to make sure I had that ready. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for a news segment, and increasingly becoming one of my favorite segments on the show. It's Carving Up the Context Time, folks. So, on today's episode, I shouldn't say episode, on today's edition of carving up the context. We have a, a quote here. We weren't able to get the video in. We have a quote from one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived. In my view, the 13th greatest basketball player who ever lived. Julius Irving, better known as Dr. J, was one of the, was one of the great, arguably the greatest player of the 70s if you include his ABA career. Actually, I should say that Kareem's the best player of the 70s. I'd say Dr. J's right behind him. Point being, Dr. J was doing an interview recently and he, was, he talked about a range of issues going on in the NBA. He talked about a range of topics. And he even did his top 10 players of all time, which was a horrendous list because it didn't include LeBron, didn't include Steph. It was a horrible top 10. Uh, he barely slid MJ in there, for crying out loud. But that's not even what I was worried about. He was talking about super teams. And this has often been a big discussion in the NBA. He was talking about super teams. And here's his quote. Quote, these guys, since prisoners are running the show and not the warden, it's just where a star player on the team is like, oh, screw this city and all the support they've given me, and I'm going south. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to Texas, or I'm going somewhere else. These decisions, and they're business decisions, I understand, but they have not helped the game. They have not helped keep parity within the game when you build these super teams. He was also talking about Damian Lillard, and he was talking about how he's going to go somewhere else, and that's a different situation, right? He's, he tried to win in Portland. He couldn't do it. He wants to go elsewhere. He said, quote, that's a good reason to leave. But a guy 26 or 27 just wanting to hop around, how many times has Durant hopped around? Look at how many times Durant has hopped around. No, for real. OKC, then Golden State. Now he's in Phoenix. And I saw that, and I was thinking, hang on a minute. And Dr. J is, is a legend. He's a true, true legend. No question about it. But it made me sort of uh, get to thinking a little bit about a trivia question. This will be a fun, a trivia question for Carving It Up Live. Let's bring it on the screen right here. I'll read it for the podcast audience. Here's a trivia question. Which former MVP who'd never won a championship joined a team that had another MVP and two Hall of Famers that had just lost in the finals to the best player in the world only to come back with said MVP, which the player that joined, and win 65-plus games 
and capping their season by winning the championship against the team that beat them with one loss the entire playoffs. I'll read that one more time. Read that one more time. Which former MVP who had never won a championship joined a team that had another MVP and two Hall of Famers that had just lost in the finals to the best player in the world only to come back with said MVP and win 65 plus games and capping their season by winning the championship against the team that beat them with one loss in the entire playoffs. Give you a little bit of time here on Carving Up the Context. Three, two, and one. You are correct. It is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant made that exact decision by going to Golden State. He had never won before. Never won a championship before in Oklahoma City. That's why he left. He went to Golden State in free agency. They already had a former MVP in Steph Curry. They had two other Hall of Famers in Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. They had just lost the finals to the best player in the world, LeBron James. But they came back with Kevin Durant. Won, this is 65 plus, they won 67 games. Came back, beat LeBron, beat the Cavs in the finals while only suffering one loss in the entire postseason. They went 16-1, and only team in history to do that. Not the only team to only lose one game, the only team to go 16-1. and But KD wasn't the only player in NBA history who's done that. You know who else has done it? A guy I think is the most underrated player in NBA history. Moses Malone. One more time, I will read this question. Which former MVP who had never won a championship joined a team that had another MVP and two Hall of Famers that had just lost in the finals to the best player in the world only to come back with said MVP and win 65-plus games and capping their season by winning the championship against the team that beat them with one loss the entire playoffs? That's what makes it funny. The guy that Dr. J criticizes, Kevin Durant. Dr. J was the beneficiary of the exact same decision. The 76ers in 1982 lost the finals in six games to the Los Angeles Lakers and a guy who was at the time the best player in all of basketball, still Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem is still incredible at that stage in his career. Lakers won the finals in 1982, won in six games. Sixers were still good, by the way. Dr. J was an MVP in the league. They had two other Hall of Famers, Bobby Jones and Mo Cheeks. But they added Moses Malone, who joined them in free agency. A, not one, not two, a three-time MVP. That is, folks don't realize how, how, how rare that is. LeBron's done that, MJ's done that, Kareem's done that. Magic, Bird. There's not a lot of guys who won three MVPs throughout the history of the NBA. Very, very short list. And Moses Malone is on that list. And he joins. The 76ers go 65-17. and 17, And Moses Malone himself, infamously, going to that playoffs. Because at the time, there wasn't four rounds of the playoffs. There was three. Moses Malone had the famous quote. He said, we're going to go foe, foe, foe. Meaning... We're going to win. We're going to sweep all three series. 4-0, 4-0, 4-0. He said, fo, fo, fo. Well, came up just short of that. Swept the Knicks. 4-0. Gentlemen swept. So they lost a the game to the Bucks, And then swept the Lakers. The same team that beat them. 
it would be nice if uh, Dr. J, again, one of the greatest players of all time, undeniable. 13th is where I've got him, just outside of the top 10. He's that great. He would not have a championship if not for another great player making the exact same decision that Kevin Durant made. So, a little context would be nice in the future for Dr. J and for future greats who criticize guys like KD for going to better opportunities, going to teams that give them a better chance of winning the championship. I rest my case. Simply put, this seems to be a bit on the uh, hypocritical side from Dr. J. If not for Moses Malone, potentially, he may not have won an NBA championship. He won the ABA, to his credit. He won the ABA before the ABA and NBA merged to become one league. He didn't win the NBA. If not for Moses Malone, might not have won at all. So, I just saw that and I was thinking, time out, time out. He played with two other Hall of Famers, kind of like Steph Curry. Now, Steph had won before. That's, that's the only difference. But Moses, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. J was an MVP. Steph was an MVP. They just lost in the finals to the best player in the world. Dr. J lost to Kareem in the Lakers. Steph lost to LeBron in the Cavs. They added a generationally great player who had won MVPs in the past but had never won a championship. Came back the next year and tore up the whole league and beat the team that beat them in the finals. Seems a bit hypocritical, I must say. By the way, this is another opportunity for me to say that, yes, the 2017 Warriors are the greatest team ever assembled. It's not even close. In my view, I always say the 01 Lakers to me is the only team that would have had a chance against those Warriors. Because what the heck were we going <laughs> to, what were we going to do about Shaq? Who are we going to throw at Shaq? Zaza Pachulia? A guy who, uh, somebody else who Shaq has had, or Shaq in the past, they've, they've reconciled now, but Shaq all the time had on Shaq to the full on TNT. JaVale McGee would go put JaVale McGee on Shaq. We went out answer for Shaq. Conversely, or uh, similar, I should say, they went out answer for Steph. Ron Harper. Ron Harper's going to stop Steph. Drew Holiday couldn't stop Steph. Tony, uh, uh, Tony Evans. <laughs> Tony Allen couldn't stop Steph. What the heck are they going to do about Kevin Durant? What are they going to do about Kevin Durant? Clay would have taken Kobe would have taken Clay. That's different. What the heck they're gonna do about uh, that six eleven guy? Could score at will, but I would give him a shot. Certainly more so than I would have the ninety six Bulls. But I think again we talk about greatest teams ever. Eighty three Sixers are in that discussion, no question about it. Thirteenth greatest player ever, Doctor J. Fourteenth greatest player, Moses Malone. A combined four MVPs between the two. Went to the finals. By the way, Moses also won Finals MVP. Kind of like Kevin Durant won finals MVP. The similarities between the 83 Sixers and the 2017 Warriors are staggering. Almost identical situations. A little context of the future would be nice, Dr. J, I must say. And that's just that's not even counting your top 10 list, which was abysmal. Abysmal. I mean, all due respect to, to, to this player I'm about to mention. All due respect to the world, he's underrated too. Not as much as Moses Malone, but he's underrated. To have Tiny Archibald in the top 10. Hall of Fame level player. But Tiny Archibald in the top 10 players of all time. You take Tiny Archibald over LeBron James. Like that. It, it does drive me crazy when players from previous generations in any sport just kind of poo-poo on the players of the current generation. I didn't like that at all. That's why I gave props to Shaq in the last segment for not doing that. Because that's he didn't do that. To his credit. 
All right, that is all the time here for today's show. Appreciate everybody for stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live tomorrow. Gonna have a special guest at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on, excuse me, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to the Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, the Grid podcast network right here on youtube as well as any and everywhere you get your podcast be it apple podcast spotify iHeartRadio, google podcast any and everywhere you get your podcast i'll be back tomorrow like i said special guests looking forward to having this person on it'll be a great conversation great discussion about a range of topics in the world of sports so stay tuned for that tomorrow six eastern three pacific but i hope everybody has a great evening great hall of fame game baby let's go it, it i don't care that's the preseason i don't care stars aren't starters aren't playing it's football. I'll take it. Okay. It's been six months. It's been too darn long. It's been too darn long. Okay. But I'll see y'all tomorrow. Have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. Looking forward to the Hall of Fame game tonight. It's going to be fun. Jets, Browns, it's football. I don't care. It's preseason. It's football. I may talk a little bit about it tomorrow, depending on what happens. I don't know. We'll see. Be safe, y'all. See y'all on Friday night, 6 Eastern through Pacific time, Twitter, YouTube, on the Carving Up channel and the Grid Network channel. Be safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Football, baby. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube, and be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live, as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.